You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Twins made one of the great turnarounds in the history of baseball, which is amazing to say that, from 103 losses to uh, a postseason game against the Yankees. And Paul Molitor was rewarded yesterday, winning the American League Manager of the Year Award. And, And Paul joins us right now. Did you know, Paul, only two humans in the history of the universe have been Manager of the Year and in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and you're one of those two human beings. Congratulations. Hey, good morning to you guys. I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, they asked me about that yesterday. That I, there hasn't really been all that many guys that have found their way into Cooperstown that, you know, elected to stay around in the game, either in coaching or manager roles. But, uh, you know, recent history, we had Ryan Sandberg, and, you know, you go back to Ted Williams and Yogi, and Frank Robinson, of course, I think was, was the other guy to win it. But, Hard to explain. You know, I think I think a lot of guys just when they're done playing and they've had those type of careers just move on to different things. But uh, it's kind of one of those little trivial uh, anecdotes to uh, to that selection process yesterday. Hey, Paul, with with a, a guy like Ted, and we've seen certainly some Hall of Fame great players get, get this chance. One problem for them has has been the ability to identify with with the common player because they were so good. Is that tough at times? And and how much, as you uh, took this job and got into it, did you have to slow yourself down? Because you see tons of things and were were such a good player. How much did you have to adjust your thought process to realize that a lot of guys weren't like you? Well, I I think that, you know, patience is a huge requirement, uh, whether you're in player development or coaching or managing. I, I think that spending all the time that I did in our organization being around our players at all the various levels, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to make these guys better, you know, both better people, better players, uh, anything that you can do to try to help them see their dreams come true. But, you know, I, I just look at it that I, I, I remind myself every day that this, this is a really hard game. And, uh, you know, you, you would like to see certain things that happen that don't, and you sometimes get a little frustrated. But you remember that that's uh, something that you endured as a player, too. So I, I just think trying to be empathetic and understanding that the game's not as easy as it might look sometimes when you watch it on television. What's the thing, Paul, about this game that uh, that drives you the most crazy sometimes, that guys that you see and say, I did this well or it should be done well, and right now, as a rule in the game, it's probably not done as successfully as, as you think it should be? Well, you guys know, I mean, there's a lot of things in the game that have changed, but one thing that I've had trouble just accepting and being tolerant towards is the acceptance of strikeouts. Um, you know, I, I just think that we have got to a point where, hey, everyone's just, they find reasons to, to justify, you know, the pitching's better, there's more home runs, uh, you win the game with the long ball. But, uh, you know, some of the best players in, in the game now are striking out 150 to 190 times. And I think everyone's kind of just accepted that. I, I see what Houston did and their, you know, concerted effort to try to really get better at putting the ball in play with two strikes. And I saw how it paid dividends. So I think that's the one thing that, that really gets, 
gets to me is the fact that you know we had eight nine guys strike over a hundred times and nobody thinks too much of it. It, it almost feels like we're going through it, it, when the NBA went through a three point renaissance five or six years ago. And all of a sudden, like three point records were, were being shattered year after year. Sure. Steph Curry just pulling up from 35 feet. It kind of feels that way with home runs and, and the art of hitting and whether the ball is different or not. I guess, you know, maybe we'll find out someday. But launch angle, and, and, and you kind of mentioned it with, uh, with the acceptance of strikeouts. Does it feel like with the home run barrage and the velocity uptick in baseball that we're going through kind of a, a new era in some ways, a renaissance? Yeah, I, th- I think that we've trended in that direction. I mean, you look at the last 20 to 25 years, you know, first we we, had, we got through the whole steroid thing, and we, everyone was trying to figure out just how much that impacted the game and how it was played, and and we got back to playing a little bit more of a fundamental game for a short term, and now it's kind of trended back to the home run strikeout. Um, I do think pitching is a part of that, but, you know, to me there's always a way to make adjustments to give yourself an opportunity. I, I, it's just one of those things that you want to keep guys, especially the ones that aren't getting the dividends of the home runs, the guys that aren't hitting the ball over the fence and they're still striking out that much. That, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Paul Molitor, American League Manager of the Year with us here. Mackie and Judd, we're downtown Minneapolis. Uh, how has, if, if you go back to your different, you know, your different phases of baseball as a Hall of Fame player yeah. and then working with front office and minor league uh, coordinator coach, how has the manager slash front office dynamic, or even like just the field staff and the player relationship with front office, how has that changed over the years? Well, a lot of the changes have come from the increase in, in information and the analytics and the parts of the game that we've learned to uh, break down to uh, to new depths that you know give give you a little bit better insight to not only your players but who you're competing against. And I think the dynamic between front office and, and managers has changed in that regard because there's so much more being filtered down on a daily basis that um, they still give you flexibility and freedom to do your job, but you know that they expect you to be able to handle this information and try to apply it to your team to make it as competitive as possible. If I could grant you a wish, Paul, but it's just one um, on the market, go out and sign a top-notch starter or bullpen help, where would, where would you start? Which would you take? I would, I would go the starter route, personally. I mean, I, 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 believe me, I'm not going to turn down any upgrades in pitching, whatever we might do. I do know that Derek and Thad are both you know, very committed to trying to find ways to uh, supplement our pitching and upgrade it, hopefully, um, whether it's, you know, obviously we still have some hope in our system, some guys that we feel are, are getting really close to being impact up at the, this level, but either trades or some of the free agents, um, I, I'd be surprised if we're not somewhat active in trying to find ways to uh, to change a little bit of look at that pitching staff. And hopefully we don't have to go through 36 guys next year, too. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> so, man, that was... That'd uh, be a good start, Paul. Yeah, that's you're right. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys, I mean, there are some firepower-loaded teams just watching the haymakers that the Dodgers and the Astros threw at each other, yeah. and uh, Indians won. They didn't lose for a month in, in the second half of the year. Do you feel like with the right upgrades, the, you know, if, is it realistic to suggest the Twins can be World Series contenders next season, Paul? Well, I, I think that it will depend on, on how our pitching shapes up. You know, you guys know, you, you know, you watch those games, even though they go until 12, 1 in the morning, they the, the bridge that we need to find a way to uh, cross over is is the difference in pitching staffs. I mean, the, the way the guys that these teams ran out there, whether it was Houston or Cleveland or the Dodgers, uh, they just keep coming. And 
it, it changes the way guys are able to manage the game. I thought Hinch did a great job of being creative with his staff and finding ways to, you know, use his starters and relief rules and all those type of things. But, yeah, I, I think that if we can find ways to, you know, improve that pitching, obviously you need good health. You need to get a couple surprises, some help from your system. Maybe a couple of your injured guys come back and contribute, whether it's Hughes or Trevor May and people like that. But, yeah, that, that'll be the big key for us to be able to keep keep pushing forward and try to get to the next step. I mean, the scary thing watching that World Series and those lineups, you had some of the best pitchers in the world, the the Clayton Kershaws, the Ken Giles, Kenley Jansons, and they couldn't get outs. You know, I mean, they're throwing 100 miles an hour with off-speed stuff, and they can't get outs against those lineups, and it's not an indictment on those pitchers. That's just kind of the state of, of those teams right now. Yeah, it's impressive when, when you see that type of, velocity coming out of the pen or guys that are starting games and and to see these guys be able to compete and battle and find ways to still you know get big hits and hit the ball over the fence it just shows you the eliteness of the guys that, that get to that point each and every year and uh you know we have some our, our young players are, are tremendously exciting and we all think that they're uh, they're heading in the right direction but we got to find a way to, to give them a little bit more support on the pitching side you t- talked about time of game paul uh in your mind are games too long now, and and if so, what are some ideas that that you might have to get them down a little yeah. bit? Because it does it does seem that we are going now for three plus hours on a regular regular basis. Yeah, and I don't know how they're going to change that. It's uh, it's concerning because I do think that we lose some of the more casual fans because of lack of action. You know, I, I think the combination of strikeouts and walks are at an all-time high in terms of percentage of at-bats that result in those two outcomes. And, uh, you know, the, the visits to the pitching mound in the postseason, the change of pitchers, all those things are just creating very, very long games. And if the games are good and there's enough to keep you interested, it's one thing, but we all know there's, there's many, many games that don't have that kind of uh, ability to, to hold your interest. So we gotta, we got to keep finding ways to try to keep our game at a little bit better pace. Uh, another another minute or two here with Paul Molitor, American League Manager of the Year, joining us on Mackey and Judd. And from the outside looking in, uh, it, it I mean, the results spoke for themselves for you guys on the field. It looked like you and the new front office tandem obviously blended well in terms of the results on the field. I, I got to ask you, did you feel at all disrespected by not getting an extension in the season or the perception that it took a long time uh, several days after the year? Was there anything about that process that, that rubbed you the wrong way, Paul? Absolutely not, to be honest with you. I I understand um, from the beginning, you know, com- uh, conversing with Derek and Thad last winter, it, it was very clear that they were going to spend, you know, a good 8 to 12 months evaluating our organization from top to bottom, and I was a part of that process. And, you know, I, it's, it's like I told the players at the trade deadline, I, if you're going to worry about what other people are going to do and, and take away from what you need to do yourself, it's, it's not a very good formula for success so i just let it play out um they had informed me that they were going to just hold off on that and we stayed in the race i knew that it would have been a distraction so you know we just went ahead and finished the season the best way that we could and then you know i was very grateful when it ended the way it did you know don't get me wrong but i certainly did hold against those guys hey paul how how much too did you have to alter or change your thought process during the course of the year just as far as what was brought to you information wise uh, as far as w- what was presented from a new train of thought, how yeah. much did, did you end up having to sort of alter things a little bit in how you think about baseball or approach it, games? It, 
it's not really that you change who you are and what you think about players and what you think is important, but you just have more resources to, you know, analyze the competition in your own guys and, and be able to make better decisions. So there's no question that the things that were added, you know, influenced how I constructed lineups or, you know, made decisions in-game. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, to that these guys, you know, Derek and Thad, they, they never came down and said, you need to play this guy or this has to go this way and this guy should close and this guy should be your long man. It was, you know, hey, this is the information. Take it, talk to your coaches, and go ahead and try to make the best decisions that you can. Was there one or two things where they, they presented ideas early on and you said, that's intriguing. I mean, was, was there in, anything that you hadn't thought of previously that got uh, put down in, in front of you and, and you actually embraced a lot? No, I, it was something I was looking forward to. I mean, I had heard and talked to other managers and coaches about some things that other teams were doing in terms of things that they had at their disposal that was influencing the way that they used their players or whatever decisions they would make. And, you know, when we hired Jeff Pickler uh, as quality control coach and Jeremy Hefter came in as our advanced scout um, who works in Clubhouse, you know, they were just able to put together, you know, unbelievable information. It was concise. It was easy to interpret and things that I was able to use and apply to our team. So <clears throat> it's hard to get into the, the specifics of that because there were so many things. You know, I got more information on my desk pregame than... <laughs> I can't even compare it to the first couple of years, but it was just, you know, it gives you more things to study before the games and, and hopefully the team's better for it. Well, Paul Molitor, we congratulate you, uh, American League Manager of the Year and a big turnaround season for the Twins. And I think we're all looking forward to hot stove season and then spring training in, in a few months. So, well, I, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, just to finalize that, I just said, I said it yesterday, a Manager of the Year. Award is a reflection of a lot of people that made a lot of contributions, and, and I think it was really good for the Minnesota Twins for that to happen. Right on. Thank you, Paul. Great Appreciate stuff, the Paul. time. Thanks, man. Okay, guys. Yeah. Bye. Yeah.